Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey, this is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're going to be going over Exodus 3, the burning bush. And uh, this is going through our Theophany series uh, that we've been going through here and there. So, let's start. You want to just, do you guys want to read the passage and then uh, we'll just... We could, but the thing goes for, well, it's 22 verses the whole chapter because I feel like the whole the whole chapter is... Kind of the whole thing is a theophany. I mean, we could really just start the first few verses and then go from there. I'll read one through nine. Okay. You read one through nine. Yeah. And, we'll, and then we'll just break it up. And then next episode, we'll do another part of it. Cool. We could do that. We could do that. Well, if that's, if that's the case, can we go through 14 where we get the tetragrammaton? Yes. Who? Yes. <gasps> okay. I can read I through 14 am who I am. <laughs> uh, now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now, and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now, behold, a cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, 
I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Boom. Here, oh. ends, here ends the reading. Here ends the reading. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Amen. So, so we got a lot going on in the beginning of chapter three of Exodus. Um, so far, we went through his, his life in chapters one and two in the, the slavery of the Jews, uh, the Israelites that are enslaved by the Egyptians. And now we are in chapter three when he is in Midian. and uh, On the lamb, so to speak. Right. And uh, he is, he's traveling on the actual mountain of God when he comes upon this bush. Now, what do you guys think this bush signifies? I'll tell you what some people say it signifies, well, or, or what they think it is. They, Marijuana? The, <laughs> you're not far off. There are some people, and even, um, I, I think even Joe Rogan talked about this. Uh, some people say that, that Moses was having a, um, a psychedelic experience with, mm-hmm. the, uh, with the acacia bush. Um, because the acacia bush contains um, the chemical uh, dimethyltryptamine, which is a known hallucinogenic compound. And so some people have, secular people have speculated that Moses had, had consumed some of the acacia bush that he was looking at and that he was having a psychedelic trip just sitting there watching the bush in the desert, which I think is, is total poppycock. But it's still an interesting theory regardless. It's entertaining. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, I, the importance of the burning bush, um, fire is frequently associated with the special displays of God's presence throughout Scripture. Um, we see this throughout Exodus, Deuteronomy, Judges, Kings, um, Second Chronicles. We see this in Isaiah, Daniel. I mean, we, we see this all throughout Scripture, that fire is associated with god's presence so this is just a display and you know god it's it's the the appearance of a burning bush is very shocking against the backdrop because this is some pretty barren wilderness um you know so there's mountains going on there but there's not a whole lot of green things and if there's not a whole lot of green things and then that means there's not a lot of things that can actually catch fire and right It's, it's like a dry heat right Right. So you know, you, you don't see cacti catching fire. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. So this, and plus in this day and age, in that day and age, it's, it's gotta be amazing to see a bush and it's on fire, but nothing's burning. And you're just sitting there going, what is going on? I can just imagine what's going through Moses' mind. He's probably, probably like, what in the world is that? Well, yeah, I must turn aside now because, you know, he's working. So he says in verse three, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. Yep. So it it obviously gets his attention, which was, which was God's point the whole time. He's, he's bringing, he's using this to bring Moses close so he can speak with him. Yeah. And in verse two, I wanted to bring up, it says the angel of the Lord appeared in a flame of fire within the bush. So we have this angel of the Lord guy showing up again, but later on it refers 
to God calling out from the bush. So mm-hmm. there's, an, there's an equivalency there between the angel of the Lord and God, but there's also a distinctiveness between the two. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's not a mere messenger. This is actually an appearance of God, and it's made plain. Right. And then, and then in verse 4 and 5, so we have Moses, he's, he's looked at the bush. I must turn aside, marvelous sight. The bush was not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. So, so Moses is calling out to God, just, just like, um, oh, shoot. Isaiah? Um, S- Solomon. Is it not, not Solomon? No, but Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel. Yeah, yes. here I am. Samuel, here I am. Here I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, or so, Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when, he's, when he goes to the throne room. Right, right. And God says, who will go for us? And he says, here I am, send me. Yes. So, so we have. And I, I'll say this also, very different response in comparison to Adam when God called out to Adam after they had eaten the fruit. Exactly. He was, he was hiding. And Adam hid. Yes. So, which is very interesting. So, and then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for this place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, I thought it was interesting. So in many cultures, removing the sandals from your feet is a sign of um, humility and a sign of respect. Um, but right here, the Lord uh, is beginning to self-identify himself. Um, I am the God of your father connected to this, uh, both past naming the patriarchs and the wording of this statement. Um, I mean, he is just amplifying that I am above. And he's just showing that his authority is Mm -hmm. far beyond what Moses can comprehend. You know, it's interesting. He makes him take his sandals off here, but people didn't have to take off their sandals to enter the temple. So is that saying that this appearance of God here is more holy than even the temple or the tabernacle? You, you know, you think about that. That's true. Those are those were places where God was, was said to reside, but you weren't face-to-face with God in those times. Right. But here, Moses is, to a certain degree, face-to-face with God because God is appearing in a tangible way before him, not with his true form, otherwise Moses would die, but um, with this theophany, he is standing before God. And that does require reverence. And frankly, just being in this presence of God, you know, God was gracious in that Moses didn't die. Right. For the fact that he is, and of course, Moses later on in Exodus is described as speaking face to face with God as someone would speak with their friend. Right. And, and this guy's a murderer. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to be in the holy presence of God, nor do any of us. And yet he can stand before this manifestation of God in, in, in God's presence and not be smitten. Isn't that incredible? Like Pharaoh's out to kill him right now, and he never did anything to Pharaoh. He just killed an Egyptian. But Pharaoh was mad enough that he was he had, you know, gun squads out to go get Moses. But here now, Moses is standing before the God of all creation, and he's not completely zapped to death. Right. So there's your, there's your grace of God in the Old Testament. 
Take that, Andy Stanley. <laughs> Girl, I'm going to get triggered. Oh. You know, the, the God of the Old Testament is not some horrible, horrendous monster. And right here, of anybody that we know of uh, up to this point in the biblical narrative, anybody who would deserve absolute um, unflinching capital punishment, it would have been Moses. Because Moses knew how bad it was that he had killed the guy that he killed. Because he, yeah. he buries him in the sand and runs away. And before he killed the guy, he looked around to make sure nobody was looking. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's like the hallmarks of somebody who's guilty. But instead, but, God, God not only doesn't strike him dead, he makes a promise to him, and not only a promise to him himself, but a promise to, his, to God's entire people that he was going to send this murderer back and redeem, or not redeem, but rescue his people, lead them out of bondage into the promised land again. Yes. And that's a whole, that's grace upon grace. If I ever heard it. And I like how when God identifies himself, he identifies himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's identifying himself within the covenant he made with Abraham. Correct. Yeah. It's still continuing. And, and what he's about to do is was promised to Abraham within that covenant was to after 400 years, he was going to bring his people out of bondage. Oh, I'm going to have to look now that totally reminds me of that place where, Oh man, this is, I'm really going to be annoyed with myself where using that, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob showing that God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. And those, those patriarchs went on to enter the presence of God, but God is the God of not only of them, but because he was their God, he was the God of their descendants in the faith as well. So God, God is the God of the living. He's not just making a record of people that died in faith, but he's, he's actively saving the living now and bringing his full covenant people to himself. Right. And this is a good example right here that Moses, I mean, we know God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he's Moses's God every bit as much. And he'll be David's God every bit as much. And Mephibosheth's God. <laughs> All I, the love way I love that name. It's such a good name. I'm going to name my next boy that name. Mephibosheth. You can call him Sheth. Yeah. Or Fib. I want, I want to read you guys um, a section out of this book um, by uh, Vern uh, Pothrus. Um, oh, writes, Polythrus. Yeah, Polythrus. Yeah, whatever his name is. No, it's not Polythrus. It's Poithrus. Poithrus? Is that how yeah. it's? Yeah, there's no L. Are you sure? Yep, 100%. I'm looking wow. right at it. Yep. No way. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm Way to go. Way to go. Wow. Um, so, so he's talking about the significance of fire in the Old Testament. Um, and he says fire can symbolize either purification or destruction. More often than not, it is a destructive fire. The two sides are not incompatible since purification comes by removal or destruction of what is impure. Fire has ties with the themes of promise, covenant, and kingdom as well as manifesting the presence of God. Fire fulfills God's promises to bring judgment and consume wickedness. 
fire as an expression of God's holiness also shows that God is faithful to his own character. So it underlines God's commitment to his promises. Fire expresses God's covenantal presence as a holy God. In covenant, he draws near to human beings. But if those human beings are unholy, the fire of God breaks out in, as an expression of his holiness and the holiness of his covenantal commitments. Fire also appears in some instances where God is establishing a covenant. The fire in the burning bush is one of the events leading to the establishment of the Mosaic Covenant. And the Mosaic Covenant establishes a Mount Sinai is accompanied by fire on the mountain. The fire in the pillar of the cloud accompanies the people of Israel as a sign of God's covenantal presence. Fire expresses the fierceness of God's commitment to the covenant. Finally, fire expresses God's kingship. It shows that he acts in power to purify his people and to destroy the king's enemies. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Did you? I thought that was pretty cool. So does that mean we shouldn't sing fire fall down because it may happen and then some of us may perish? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it just, it's, and they have, he has neat diagrams in here. Um, The fire, it manifests down into the covenant promise and fulfillment. And then it also ties in with God's presence and kingdom, which triangulate around. Um, But when it's the fire fulfilled in Christ, fire is manifested in the covenant promise and fulfillment, but also is designed to go through God's presence, his kingdom, um, the covenantal promises, but it's all fulfilled through Christ. So the fiery judgment and the, the holiness of fire is to be fulfilled through Christ. I think it's interesting too that when you were talking about fire and it's linked to uh, God's promises and fulfilling his promises, I instantly thought of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down on, the, on yeah. the apostles and flamed in tongues of fire. So that's kind of an interesting link there too. Yeah, that's in Acts 2, 2 through 4. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Now, now this doesn't mean that they spoke in angelic being language. No, they spoke in different tongues. So it was native around yeah, them. different yeah, human it was, tongues that were was, unknown to them yeah they hadn't studied them but people were around who understood them and the whole point was for those foreigners to hear the gospel expressed in their native language yes which which uh, the holy spirit imparted for the benefit of those listeners and he used people that had never studied those languages before to do it you know uh since we're talking about baptism and and fire um it, it reminds me of matthew 3 i had to go kind of okay. flip through and find it. Um, it reminds me of Matthew 3.11, where John the Baptist says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So it, going back to what you had said about how fire expresses the, the holiness and the kingship of God, makes sense that this final baptism with fire would come through Christ. 
right. who, who holds all of that himself. And then he, he grants his, um, he imparts his righteousness to us by faith so that we're seen in the light of his works. Right. So, so Christ, um, the final, the final baptism is one of the fire of the holiness of God because God, right. God, he's purifying his believers. Yeah. So Christ's fire of judgment burns up the chaff, but also purifies believers. As we see uh, when the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is symbolized by fire, um, Christ is fulfillment of instances in the Old Testament where God's fire destroys evil and purifies his people. Um, Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament fire of theophanies. So, boom. boom. Well, uh, I guess we'll have to save the uh, the rest of this for another time. Yep. We will be back next time. Hey, where can they find us? So you can go to our website, guyswithbibles.com. You can listen to the podcast on there and read our blogs. Um, you can also go to iTunes or Google Play or Overcast or um, whatever you listen to your podcast. Yeah, whatever you listen to your podcast on, we're probably going to be on there. And search Guides with Bibles and subscribe. And if you're on iTunes or Google Play especially, uh, go ahead and give us a five-star review and write a little blurb about how awesome we are. And then if you, if you search on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search for Guys with Bibles and follow us and and like our facebook group and and request to join in and uh we will accept your request and you'll be in there talking with everybody and uh and if you want to talk to us directly if you want to send us a message directly you can email us at guyswbibles at gmail.com we're guys with bibles we're out Hey everybody, this is Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee. And I'm Scott. <laughs> and I'm Sean. Oh we are, boy. We are already. <laughs> Can we call a mulligan? Sure, why not? I'll just cut that whole thing out of the beginning. I, I was like, who's who's doing the start? Yeah, you know why? Because you always go first, you bully. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Well, I was like, we're doing something new. I was like, maybe I'm not going first. I was like, I better wait.